0: You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership, Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Greg Leith. Let me tell you about Greg. Greg. Greg's life mission statement is to, in quotes, strengthen great leaders and exponentially accelerate the kingdom. He is the CEO of Convene Corporation, where thousands of Christian CEOs connect around business excellence that is built on a biblical foundation. And before that, Greg was also a senior executive for 20 years with the Service Master Company, which is a multinational $9 billion firm engaged in healthcare and education management, as well as franchising. And he's also a nonprofit leader where he served as the vice president of Arrow Leadership and director of leadership development for the Christian Leadership Alliance. So Greg, I am so excited to talk to you about the price of leadership.
1: Thanks for having me, Tracy. It's an honor. And you know how much I also was a raving fan of your dad. So this is really a treat for me.
0: Uh, Thank you. And to our listeners, I always like to share how we made this tremendous connection. So I am in the Harrisburg area in Pennsylvania. And last November, I emceed the Lancaster Prayer Breakfast where I crossed paths with a tremendous gentleman, Bud Handwerk, who then connected with me. And Bud chairs one of the local groups here in our area of the Christian convene. And for our listeners, those of you that are familiar with other mastermind groups, like Vistage. This is like that. We'll talk about how it's different, but this is the Christian version of it. And so I've gotten the chance to get connected with the local groups in the area to speak to them. And then I got to meet Greg in person because Bud told me how much you love my father just recently when you came and did a regional event and the Lancaster Trust. So I actually got to meet Greg in person. So Greg, thank you so much for being here again.
1: It's great to be with you. And One of my stories that I told Bud handwork there in the Lancaster area, which, by the way, it took me about two years to learn how to say Lancaster instead of saying Lancaster, California. That's the
0: California version, right?
1: But anyway
0: what coast you're from based on how you say Lancaster or Lancaster. Yeah,
1: that's right. And it took me two years to get the audience in Lancaster to stop (laughs) laughing when I said Lancaster. So, yeah, but I remember walking into Lancaster Bible College one day into the library. I'm a raving fan of your dad. I've heard him speak many times. He's given me the signature Charlie Tremendous Jones hug. And I walk into the library there at Lancaster Bible College and I see this, I don't know, life-size portrait of your dad. It was very big. And I said to Bud, what the heck? And he said, oh, my gosh, well, Tracy lives here. And I said, oh, my gracious, I'd love to meet her. So this is great for me.
0: It is great. And that's where I got my Ph.D. Many of the listeners out there know that. But Lancaster Bible College just love that entity and all they do and taught me all about leadership. So Greg, thank you for sharing that. And I'm so glad you got hugged multiple times by Charlie. I know you're a true leader and you can pay the price of leadership if you ain't got some of his bear hugs for sure.
1: Yeah. And I'm also thrilled to meet one of the little children when you were just a little bit younger in some of his stories of The car going back and forth in the snow on the driveway to go to church because we're going to go to church. And of course, he knew you could never make it out of the driveway that snowy day and told you later, apparently, that he was making memories. So, yeah. (laughs)
0: Oh, boy, did he ever. (laughs) He would also tell us, hey, I always let you guys just make your own decisions. And we're like, seriously, did you really just say that? And he's like, well, I may have engaged in a little spiritual meddling. And I'm like, "Okay." so he always had an interesting way of of saying different things. But Greg, okay, you have decades of leadership experience. And one of Charles's most prolific speeches, he loved leadership, but he was very pragmatic about it. And he said, if you're going to be a leader, there's a price you're going to have to pay. And the first price that he talked about was loneliness. And we've all heard that heavy is the head that wears the crown and it's lonely at the top. But can you unpack what loneliness means for you as a leader? And perhaps if you have been through a season of loneliness, something that you would share for our listeners to help them as they navigate their way through it.
1: Yeah, so I feel like we could do about three podcasts on this subject, so I'll be a succinct or we'll be here for three days, but there are many times when in my life I was feeling lonely at the top, if you will. I remember Chuck Swindoll, my pastor here in California for quite a while, wrote an article called The Lonely Wine of the Top Dog, and really it is about moving away, as your dad said, from the crowd. And I remember a time when I was quite happy in my service mesh or corporate job. I don't know, we were five or six billion at the time. I had started with service master when we were 300 million. And I was with the corporate side, healthcare management, suits, ties, corporate jets, the whole nine yards. And the franchise side were these people who cleaned carpets and drove yellow vans. And I thought, I will never be one of those people. And then I found out that there was a business in Vancouver, Canada for sale doing $40,000. And I said to the guy who wanted to sell it, 40000 is that a day, a week, a month? And he said, no, a year. Hmm. I said, oh, a year. And so I went to the people doing what he did in Toronto, Canada, where I was living, and said, how much do you do? And they said, $7 million. So I quickly bought the guy's business in Vancouver But I was driving by myself in my little Audi 5000 from Toronto to Vancouver the entire time thinking, I just spent all the money I had. I don't know why I'm going out there to clean carpets. This is ridiculous. And the last day of my drive, I was super tired, drove through the night. It was about three o'clock in the morning. And I found a motel that I pulled into the parking lot turned off the car and slept for two hours till I went to my first meeting with my new business in Vancouver, Canada. The entire drive, I can promise you, I was lonely. Mm -hmm. And then as I inherited the business, there was a guy who was mostly drunk. There was a drug addict. There was a broken down vehicle. I fired everybody and started cleaning carpet myself. Mm -hmm. So here I am cleaning carpet in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning with a Bible college degree, with a business degree that I just left corporate with the suits. And I said, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. And I surely was lonely. I've been very encouraged by, this is going to sound, you're going to be like, whoa, what the heck is that? But I'm encouraged by the contents of Abraham Lincoln's pockets the night he was shot. And the reason I'm encouraged by that is because he was was in his pockets was just kind of normal stuff. He had a country boy's penknife, He had his spectacles tied together with a piece of twine. He had a handkerchief, a watch fob. But here's the best part. Eight articles in his pocket on why history would call him a great president. Hmm, lonely at the top.
0: Yes. Wow. That is fascinating. Have you ever read the poem? And I cannot believe I have never heard this. And if anybody says, I can't believe you haven't heard this, I'm going to say, why didn't you tell me earlier about it? It's called The Indispensable Man. Have you ever read that poem? No, I'm going to blog it. So you didn't know either, but it's very much the same thing. And it's all about the allegory or the parable is when you leave an entity, and you think you'll be missed. Oh, I can't leave. I'm so good. I'm up here at this paradigm kind of thing. Put your hand in a bucket, take your hand out of the bucket and look at the bucket. When you go, that's how much people remember you. It's not a mean thing, but it's all about, listen, it keeps you humble that no matter where you go. And I love, I love that story that you were up there and here you are in the middle of the night cleaning carpets. That is good for the soul, Greg, good for the soul to keep you really focused on, hey, The peaks and the valleys of leadership. So I appreciate you sharing that. You're welcome. All right, loneliness. The next thing he said is, (laughs) I'm sure you were weary too, is weariness. And my dad would always tell me, Tracy, so much of leadership is you're going to have to be picking up the things that other people should be doing, but they're not doing, and it's tiring. And we have this beautiful soul and we have this eternal spirit, but we're still just mere mortals. So how do you combat weariness? as a leader?
1: Well, I was really encouraged at one point in time in my career, in my life, I was a Youth for Christ board member in the Canadian Youth for Christ for the country. And I had the privilege of hearing a talk by Tori Johnson. Tori Johnson was one of the early Youth for Christ people before Billy Graham, and then during the Billy Graham era as well. And Tori did a talk one time, he was just one of the most powerful preachers. And he did this talk where he was basically kind of in the genre of your dad, frankly. And he was talking about when you're tired. And he said, when you do work, you get tired and you get so tired sometimes. And he said, sometimes I'm so tired, I go back to the hotel room, I lay on the bed, I'm too tired to take my clothes off and I fall asleep on the bed and wake up at two in the morning. And that is actually encouraging to me that what God is not for is us to have three vacation homes and golf after we sell the company for $100 million while we're doing absolutely nothing for the kingdom. We might be excessive in our purchasing habits, Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with great cars, but you probably don't need five or six, Mm -hmm. Uh, nothing wrong with great houses, but you probably don't need four or five. And so I'd rather be tired in the work of the kingdom, tired in the work of leadership, tired in the work of helping people than I would be to be living a life full of leisure that when I get to heaven, I'm going to get through the reward line really fast because God doesn't have much to say.
0: Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. There's good weariness and bad weariness, just like loneliness. There's the good lonely, like we saw Christ go off on his own, and then there's the bad loneliness. But the weariness is very interesting that you talked about. And Tori, with finishing the race strong, means you don't let off the paddle. Dad did not like it when he would ask people, and he's like, well, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, well, we're retired. And I'm like, oh, don't say that to He's like, we don't ever retire in the kingdom. What if John would have retired on the Isle of Patmos? We finish strong and be weary. I mean, there are times where I'm so tired, but there's a good weariness that you know that you are just exhausted, but in such a good way. I love the Youth for Christ. I was in that as a youngster.
1: Yeah, I mean, frankly, there are people that are tired from doing nothing. Yes, And really the redefinition of those people's quote, tiredness, is that they're actually bored with the lack of accomplishment in their life. And there's some people that I don't want to get behind in the rewards line in heaven, because they're going to be getting a lot of rewards from God. I think we often forget that there is rewards in heaven, and everybody thinks it's weird, and everybody kind of comes pushes back against it and says, oh, really? I mean, God wouldn't set up a reward plan really like you didn't set up a reward plan for your kids when you said if you do these chores, you get five stars or whatever. God says we are going to be rewarded for the things we accomplish on earth. And if we get that, then we will be ready to receive these rewards from God. I don't want to be the guy who God says, hey, next, Leif, you didn't do much. Just go to your mansion and see you later.
0: I love it. Well, I call that stacking crowns. And you said that accelerate the kingdom. We're building it up and doing it now versus lady. one of my favorite books. Have you ever read Erwin Lutzer's one minute after you die? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. read that probably at least every other month, but he talks about that and what we're doing here. It's the parable of the talents we're going to be doing in heaven. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be unemployed in heaven. You know what I'm saying? No. I want to be having discussions with you and having Greg about how incredible things are and loving our Lord. What we're doing here, we're honing our chops, Our sp- we're just in a different form that we're going to be doing that. So I love that you brought that out. And that's why he says, don't grow weary and why we don't say, okay, I said the prayer, I'm done. I just kind of sit back and wait until the end. Oh, no,
1: no, well, no, 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 To sort of bounce off one of your dad's eternal life insurance policy pamphlets, you don't want to say I got a fire insurance policy against hell and I have nothing to do till I get to heaven. That's ridiculous.
0: It is ridiculous. I love it. All right. So loneliness, weariness. The next thing he talked about was abandonment. And again, abandonment, there's good abandonment and bad abandonment. We hear fear of abandonment or if you're in pet rescue like me, that's a bad thing. But what my father talked about, abandonment was really like a hyper focus. And I can remember... One time I went into the basement, well, that's where his office was. And I just, as a teenager, he was at the height of his career. And I remember him just sitting there and kind of with this look on his face. And I was like, What's up, dad? And he said, Tracy, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than I do my success. And I'm like, What are you talking about? And he's like, You need to learn the law of abandonment, which is pruning, which is stop thinking and doing what you like and want to think about in favor of what you ought and need to be about. So it's really capturing all those thoughts. And The devil loves busyness and working our fingers to the bone, but not all work is the purest form of our work. So can you talk about with all your transitions, with all your things, with all the different requirements on you, how do you deal with abandonment and stay really tightly focused on the best and highest use of God's calling for you?
1: Yeah, I have a son named Carson. He's an Anglican priest up in Wenatchee, Washington. He wrote an article one time that I loved where he basically said, You're trying to get the first thing on your list done that is important, and you decide to go check. This isn't exactly how he said it, but this is the idea. You decide to go check the news, and you read the news about the latest politics, and then you see an ad for a better dog food, and then you click on that. And then you're working on looking at this dog food, and you see something for dog little outfits and you click on that. And then next thing you know, you see an article about the Caribbean vacation and you're talking about the Caribbean vacation. And you look at your watch and half an hour has gone by and you're now looking at what new carpet colors are hot in the world. Mm -hmm. And so you went from here to here to here to here to here, but you never got the first thing done. I remember the other day right here in my office, I have a big whiteboard kind of thing and it's full of sticky notes and it's all about our May 2024 conference, which the point being is about 10 months away. And I was thinking, well, there's a lot of fun things I could do today, but I need to do that work on the conference. But it's 10 months away. And so I started doing some other stuff that was really fun. And then I realized I have to go sit in the chair in front of the whiteboard and figure out Who are my final speakers for May, 2024? But part of it took me to go and sit in that chair. And there's that insurance salesman that wasn't your dad that said the difference between successful people and non-successful people is successful people have learned to do the things that unsuccessful people are not willing to do, right? So I had to go sit in my chair, look at the whiteboard, figure out what had to be done. And I could go home that last Friday and say to my wife, Shelly, All the speakers for the conference are done. And I felt great, kind of like Tory Johnson said, you feel great, right? I mean, look, here's the deal. God is a creator. God, Jesus, Holy Spirit worked to create earth. They gave Adam and Eve work in the garden. They said work is going to look different until Jesus comes again. And when we go to heaven, we're going to work in heaven. So work, 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 work. It's not leisure, 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 or there'd be no men and women created, there'd be no earth created, and there'd be no work in heaven and'd be. Some people think we're going to sit in heaven with white robes, with white harps, white clouds. That's not the deal. We are going to work in heaven and work now as a test, and work is a good thing, so let's get to work.
0: I love it. And that abandonment and the quote that you talked about was habits for Ian Gray, the new common denominator success. Probably at least half of our listeners out there haven't. If you haven't gotten it to our listeners, what Greg was talking about, it is habits and getting you just sitting there and saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, turn it off. This is what I'm going to do. And it reminds me, Greg, Greg got to drive an Amish buggy when he was in Lancaster. Correct, Greg? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Those of you that have been up in Amish country here in South Central Pennsylvania, you know the horses are on there. And I tell people, it, you know, sometimes they have those blinders on so they're not distracted. And that's what you need to do with yourself. You need to saddle up, get your load behind you, put them little blinders on and get to walking kind of thing. So every time I think about those horses, I'm like, God, may I have the focus and the singularity of those Amish horses. All right. So loneliness, weariness, abandonment. And the last topic he said is vision. And I know growing up, sitting or listening to the great people, I thought, well, man, they have something going on. They have this visionary gene. And my dad's like, Tracy, vision is seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. Because if all you are is talking about the future, but not putting a plan of action, that's not vision. That's daydreaming. So can you talk to us about how you continue to hone your leadership vision, maybe even for what's next for convene?
1: Yeah, COVID was something that helped us to hone our vision because what we do, which is oddly juxtaposed with the COVID situation where we couldn't get together, but what we do is we get together, right? We don't manufacture things. We don't invent things. We don't necessarily just write things. We get men and women who are CEOs together in a room to work together on their business and do it on a biblical platform. So Mm -hmm. all of a sudden we couldn't get together. So thanks to our amazing team in about 48 hours, we reinvented the organization and all the groups from coast to coast, 70 plus groups were getting together on this crazy thing. We never heard of before called zoom. And so we became a zoom room organization in 48 hours. And that was a vision from our field leaders and our headquarters leaders that we basically said, How can we reinvent the original vision? Because the original vision, as you indicated, was let's create a faith based version of Vistage, mm-hmm. which is a takeoff from these mastermind groups of earlier days that said the power of many minds around a table is greater than the power of one. Mm-hmm. And so. That was a reinvention of our vision, and it was a very exciting time. And today, the virtual convene groups are emerging as a very significant piece of our business. So that's exciting.
0: I love hearing that. So thank you for sharing that, Greg. So we covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else, all things leadership that we have not hit on with the Price of Leadership context that you would like to just share with our listeners?
1: Well, something that I learned in my Service Master days, 20 years, was that you need to value people and you need to not see people as a unit of production, but a person to be loved and valued and appreciated, right? So in those days, that seemed very faith-esque, kind of like, oh... That's what you Jesus people do is you love people and you kind of pat them on the back and you say, I love you. Well, the studies have now concluded that when you love people, they perform at a higher level and the organization is more profitable. That was a Harvard study called the service profit chain. The service profit chain said exactly what I just said. When you value and appreciate and love people and take care of them, you will end up having them do a better job for you and there will be more profit so the service profit chain is a big deal and we try to teach that throughout our convene network
0: oh i love hearing that so more and more leadership stuff like that i'm teaching they say the l word love even in the secular like before it was like oh of course you would say that it's like no no no, no. the heart of the leader the love of the leader for the people and i know ken blanchard would always tell me tracy look at every person as an oyster there's a pearl in there somewhere And just remember that, even though they may be slimy and stinky on the outside, get them to open up and find that pearl in there. And I was like, I love that you said that don't treat them as a unit of production. That's beautiful. Excellent. So Greg, talk to us about Kaveen. I'd love for our listeners to hear more about it because everybody I talk to, I tell about it. Bud and I are going to lunch on Thursday. I'd love to just share, if somebody's interested in it, what that looks like for them.
1: Yeah. Well, let me come at it interestingly from some of the four things that we just talked about, right? We did some surveys that are very empirical and we discovered that people were lonely in leadership. We discovered that people didn't really have a good track to run on how to integrate their faith into their business. We discovered that people were concerned about profitability vis-a-vis faith and all those kinds of things. So Vistage, we looked at other models, we looked at the Bible, this whole notion of Jesus and the 12 disciples for three years, right? Where he was in a peer-to-peer networking group, if you will. And so we said, how could we create something that we champion business performance, profit, and people, and excellence, and how do we do that? All laying it on a biblical platform. And so about 28 years ago, we were at saddleback church with a pastor named brian thatcher and an elder named rick green and rick was in vistage and brian was with the navigators and they put the sort of peanut butter and the chocolate together and created bbl forum beyond the bottom line turning the sunday stuff into monday stuff for better lives and better business and that was how we began and of course rick warren if you're listening It started at Saddleback Church, (laughs) but it actually did because Brian and Rick were going to Saddleback Church. Now, back in the day, 28 years ago, Saddleback was not this giant mega church. It was an organization meeting in high school gyms. And so we're very grateful for the fanning the flames of convene that Rick Warren did and really great blessing that occurred By us being able to build on some of the relationships at Saddleback. We are basically about business performance and eternal perspective. We're about people helping each other to run a great business. And I'll never forget, there were four objectives at ServiceMaster when I was there. One was honor God in all we do, help people develop, three, pursue excellence, four, grow profitably. And we would often at times, not be as close to being on budget as we wanted to be. And our president, Bill Pollard, would remind us, we're not the Salvation Army. We're not the Billy Graham organization. We're a business. We need to be profitable. Because if you're not profitable, you actually don't have a business to honor God. And frankly, if you're a nonprofit, it doesn't mean you can't have excess revenue over expenses. You still need to be cash positive and income needing to be more than expenses, or you don't get to do the mission that you're doing. So be profitable, honor God, pursue excellence, love people. And according to the Harvard Service Profit Chain, it'll all work together.
0: Amen to that. And how do people find out about the convene groups?
1: So our website is convenenow.com, as in click on it today and get out there. Convenenow.com. Don't keep leading alone. That's not how God designed you. He designed you to work in community. And when you bring an idea, a problem, a difficult situation to the group, it happens all the time that you come up with a better solution than doing kind of banging your head against the wall by yourself in a locked room.
0: I love that. And I love you tied it back to the price of leadership because leadership is a shared endeavor. And you have your followers, but leaders have to pour into one another, just like Jesus with the disciples. And so, for the leaders listening out there, who pours into you? And I'm not talking about your spouse. You need to get with people, with peers, so they can pour into you. And I just have been just as, you know, I was a Vistage member earlier. When I first got back, I knew enough to know that I could be the smartest person, but we are never meant to do this alone. And there's so many benefits and advantages to it. So, Thank you, Greg, for stepping in and sharing about leadership and all the work you're doing with Convene, because I know so many people that are involved with it. I met so many business owners, and just to see the impact you have on them is really profound.
1: Well, it's a pleasure that we get to do it and to kind of fan the flames of the vision of our founders and really to honor the biblical values of community and really advancing the kingdom of God. It's not really very fun to say, I'm building a business for myself to make a lot of money so I can squirrel it away and die with millions of dollars in the bank. That is not a life worth living.
0: Absolutely. Well, that's what happened in the parable of talents, right? That didn't end too well. (laughs) He got cast out and called lazy and wicked. So I love that you're bringing that perspective. Well, Greg, just thank you so much for our listeners out there. We will have all Greg's contact information out there on LinkedIn and his website. Please do be sure and check out and to our listeners. We wouldn't have a podcast without you. We thank you so much for tuning in. We thank you so much for paying the price of leadership. If you like what you've heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button. And if you do us the honor of a review, we would be so thankful and share this with some other leaders that need to hear some of the wisdom and some of the insights and experience that Greg has shared. And you keep on paying the price of leadership. Greg, again, thank you so much. I'm thrilled we connected. I look forward to many more tremendous connections in the future. Thanks, Tracy. You're welcome. And to our listeners out there, you have a tremendous rest of your day. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr.
0: Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let
1: us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.